This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You need to know what's happening. It's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Brian Baldinger. Back for another edition of In the Huddle. Carl Dukes put him up along with my man Brian Baldinger. Jason Lock on four part of this podcast as well. Baldy, I want to jump right in and ask you about pre-draft testing. All the buzz said that C.J. Stroud had a poor S2, right, which has kind of replaced the Wonderlick in some some team's estimation. He still went number two overall. And, and I'm just curious, you know, now that we've gotten through the draft, we talk about all these things that they look at. Is this BS? I mean, how much stock should I put into this stuff? Well, it's, I, I thought it was very strange, Carl, when the S2 test scores came out literally two days before the draft. You know, and so C.J. Stroud's got a hot mic in front of him going, hey, what about your score? And he's like, I'm not a test taker. I'm a football player. At that time, when those when that, when that stuff was being released, I mean, I think it's just ugly, Carl, to be honest with you. And um, and it happens every year. There, there's something. Lyle Collins gets a, a case dropped right in front of him right before the draft. He gets sent home from the draft. We saw what happened to Laramie Tunsil right before the draft. There seems like there's just this nasty thing that a bomb that could just go off at any time before the draft. In this case, the S2 test, you know, people were saying that Houston was really, uh, that really subscribed to that test. They really paid attention to it. And then Nick Casario comes out and says, we've never subscribed to it. So you just wonder like where it's all coming from and what it's designed to do. Houston seemed very, very certain about C.J. Stroud and his ability. And they they turned that card in very quickly to almost reassure everybody. Okay, yeah. Bryce Young's going one. We get our guy going number two. And, you know, we see three quarterbacks go in the top four. And, you know, you just go back and look at these past drafts. I studied all these past drafts. 2020 was a terrible draft. You look at these quarterbacks at the top of these drafts, like – it's, I mean, there's Joe Burrow, there's Josh Allen, there's Mahomes, and there's not a whole lot else at the top. You know, you can find, like, what happened to Zach Wilson? Well, maybe it'll work out. Maybe it'll work out. I mean, just, it's so inexact. And if they're just throwing these scores in to try and plummet somebody, mm-hmm. that's not really fair. Because, the, and so my take, Carl, is this, is if you've got a flaw, or if you've got a weakness, whether it's a quarterback, whether it's the way you process information, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, recovery speed, 
it gets everything gets exposed at the NFL level. Like if you can't process quickly, you'll get exposed quickly. Like it's 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 not going to get better. And so I just think that the NFL, when we play the games on Sunday, we're going to get a lot of these guys are going to be overvalued, Carl, just overvalued. And that's just, and it will, it will tell you, we will find that out once we start playing on Sundays. What's interesting about this, Baldy, is Peter Skaronsky came out. He was doing an interview with The Athletic, and it came out yesterday that they're meeting with the Atlanta Falcons. Peter Skaronsky, the tackle that uh, the offensive lineman that ended up going to the Titans. Yep. And he said that Arthur Smith called him boring while they were meeting. And he said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, and you guys can go look at it if you want to see it. But he basically was saying, you know, he's answering all these questions. He's being very, very thorough. He thought, thought in his mind. And Arthur Smith, the head coach of the Falcons, is like, you're boring me. And I took this two ways, Baldy, and I'm curious to know what you think about this because we always are curious about what comes out in these meetings, what is yeah. said in these meetings. And I'm sitting there thinking, you want me to draft you? Like these teams meet with these kids and they're going, impress me. You want me to draft you, right? I'm going to ask you some questions, but if I'm getting stock answers, then I'm not thorough. I'm not going to be impressed by that. And I think that's what Arthur Smith was inferring. Now, again, I haven't had a chance to talk to Arthur about it, but I don't think it was harmful in the way that it sounds when you say, well, you're boring me. And like he tuned him out. I just think Arthur was like, listen, I'm asking you these questions and you're giving me the yes, sir, no, sir responses. You know, how do you take it? Well, I mean, first of all, most of these kids are coached up about, you know, what to prepare for, which is smart in any interview, not just in the NFL, but any interview. You should prepare for what's coming. And so it can sound like it's a stock answer. I, I happen to have interviewed Peter Skronsky for NFL Network, you know, a couple of days before the draft, and I thought he was great. I mean, really good. Um, and, you know, because I was asking him, what about the short arms, Peter? Does that bother you? You know, like, we you know, we were hitting with with some fun stuff. And, his, you know, his grandfather played for the Packers, always wanted to play for the Packers. Well, what if you get drafted by the Bears? Are you still going to be a Packer? You know, like just, he was good. He was really good. You know, I don't know. Arthur drafted B. John Robinson, one of the more flashy, outgoing players in this whole draft. So he probably got what he wanted. But all I want to know, like the, like the best boring player I ever played with, was the best tight end I've ever seen in Mark Bavaro. But Mark Bavaro barely opened his mouth. And when he did, it usually came out in little bits and pieces, and it was usually biting and very funny. But the toughest, best player tight end I ever played with. I don't think you can gauge anybody's personality in the game of football because we all come in different shapes and size. You've been around this game forever, Carl. You know how it is. I mean, there's just some guys that – you, they light up when the cameras are there and the lights are on, they light up. And then some guys, they just can't stand it. You know, I just saw a little clip the other day of, you know, Peyton's place, you know, Peyton and Marshawn Lynch. And Peyton is asking Marshawn about his interviews and why he hated the media. You know, and Marshawn is one of the best running backs we've ever seen in the last, you know, two decades. And he just had a thing with the media. Like, he just didn't trust him, didn't like him, didn't care for him, and he acted accordingly. Like, I, I just – all I want to know from any of these interviews, if you can gleam it, Carl, does the guy love football? And I know yeah. Skaronsky loves football. So, I don't know. Like, I, I saw it come out. I read it. 
I, I kind of took it the same way you did, Carl. I could take it two different ways. I don't think it was a knock on Peter at all. No, I, I, and I hope people don't see that. You know, and people may see that report and think that Arthur's an a hole or something. You know, no. I don't. I, that's not the case. These guys are trying to ask questions to get just a little bit more insight to your point, <laughs> Baldy. I think there are certain things that franchises have and do that are very successful. And I just want to I want to go through these with you, and I want to yeah. kind of talk about this now that we're through the draft and we're through free agency. So, ownership obviously matters, right? Your quarterback matters. We, that's why all these teams are drafting quarterbacks. Um, draft matters because you got to draft right. I think the coach and GM, you know, their relationship, and I'm just talking about these successful organizations yep. and why they seem to get it right over and over and over, right? The Steelers, and, and you know, you talk about they draft right, and you, you look at what's happened with, with uh, you know, Kansas City, even though they've kind of retooled. I don't think you can be afraid of change when you're talking about these top organizations. I think about Howie Roseman and how he went away from Carson Wentz. And I also just think that, you know, when you talk about these, these teams that always seem to get it right, I don't think they rest on their laurels, Baldy. I think they, they're willing to, like, it's not just, okay, everything's perfect all the time. Tell me what you think about the teams that you feel like consistently get it right now that we've gone through this offseason process. And you go, damn, it seems like every time I turn around, they don't make the mistakes. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, I mean, I could give you a lot of examples, but let's just start in general here. I mean, I I believe in a head coach, general manager relationship has got to be airtight and strong. Like I remember I was in uh, Latrobe last summer. Mike Tomlin's running like a training camp, like literally out of 1980. I mean, it's full speed. It's full contact. I mean, you can hear the leather popping. And they had just picked up like a corner from like the Atlanta Falcons or somebody. He was out on the street, picked him up. He's out there in pads that day. And I just remember Mike T going like Andy White on Omar Khan or the new front office for the Steelers. And he was just said, like, I'm, I'm talking to Andy on the sideline. And we're watching this, you know, nine on nine on seven scrimmage, whatever. And I just hear Mike going, hey, Andy, give me, give me some of that tape on that corner, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go watch him. I'm, I'm watching him right now. I kind of like what I see. Just go give me some tape on Like, it never – the interaction never never stops. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, if you go to the New York Giants, and I feel like they got this right. Joe Shane, you know, and the new head coach there, um, they seem really joined at the hip. You know, getting contracts done, how they approach the draft, what they got. And for a long time, it wasn't that way. You know, the GM was there, the coaches came and went, vice versa. The Jets had this revolving door of coaches, general managers. They could never get it right. I feel like Joe Douglas and Robert Sala got it right now, but it takes teams a long time. And so it's you, you turmoil is never good in this industry. You just get eaten up. You get eaten up in the transitions and the turnover, what one guy likes, what another coach, uh, you know, uh, uh, covets. So, I feel like you've got to have consistency. 
you can't have turmoil. You got to be thinking with one brain between, you know, the, the personnel side. And, you know, sometimes you can just feel it, Carl, just walking into a building. Mm-hmm. Like this is a cohesive, united group. And it starts there. I mean, you go to Seattle, you talk to John Schneider. John Schneider is the most unassuming individual there is. He's not out there beating his chest and this, that. He just tells you, you know, tell me about Abe Lucas last year, John. You know, like this is what I saw, ball, you know, tough guy, you know, physical. And, I mean, I think they got this draft right. I think they got last year's draft right. I think mm-hmm. Russell Wilson gone was the good move for them. They got ahead of it. Um, they got a good decade out of Russell. But I feel like they had to make a, a tough decision. They did. and But they made it in unison about how they want to build a football team and what Pete Carroll covets. And that's how I think they're building it. So it, it starts with the vision of the coach, the general manager recognizing that vision, and then you kind of go from there. Great, great examples. I totally agree with you on Seattle. It is in the huddle, guys. Carl Dukes, Brian Baldinger, Jason Lockon for a part of this podcast. We put out new episodes every Tuesday, Thursday. Make sure you subscribe, like us, and uh, tell your friends, man. We're bringing it all about the NFL. I want to talk about the Jets for a minute. How can we not? I think, Baldy, we're going to be talking about the Jets a lot this offseason and certainly into the season. But it's been, what, 50 years um, since they've won a Super Bowl. Uh, a little bit over that, I think. And so Aaron Rodgers comes in. And I, I just – this is not a, a negative knock on Aaron. I don't know what he's going to do in New York. But I do have the scorecard as to what he did in Green Bay. And so, you know, he's been to the Super Bowl, right, won a Super Bowl, but he's been to one. As great as Aaron is, as good as he is. And so I, I guess I want to start with, what does he have to prove, right? We can't just assume that he's going to get there and everything's going to fall into place. I think Aaron has to prove that he can take a team and get him over the top, Baldy. One in five in, in NFC championship games, and that one, obviously, that was 2010, they went to the Super Bowl. So I don't know. I, I'm curious to know what you think about Aaron and what he has to prove in New York outside of all the other stuff and the, and the weapons he's got. Well, it's not going to get any easier for him, you know, 39 years old right now. I do feel like he is completely uh, energized and almost finding the fountain of youth, hanging out with Sauce Gardner at a Knicks game. Or, you know, I mean, like that's, I think that's a big part of just building rapport and relationships with guys. And he, and Aaron telling Sauce, I'm going to make you a better corner. Like, I feel like he's got to put his personality, and not just his personality, he's got to put his knowledge and sprinkle it throughout the whole team. And he's got to lead. He's got to lead. He's got to guide. He's got to elevate all those things. And then when you get to the postseason, you got to win. Now, it's loaded in the AFC. Nobody is going to walk into uh, this, this tournament in January this year. Like, it's going to be it's going to be something else to get there, just to be one of the seven. So there's going to be a lot of people, you know, um, rebuilding and left to kind of look in a mirror when you get to the end of January, beginning of January this year, when we get ready for the postseason, somebody's going to be home that isn't going to be happy in the AFC. But to answer your question, look, Aaron is there because he didn't feel like they were doing enough to help him to win, win another Super Bowl. No, they never drafted a receiver in the first round. They didn't just do the things that some other teams are doing. Free agency, they weren't a big player. So he started doing stuff himself. I'll, I'll take Randall Cobb. I'll take... Give me these guys. I feel like he's doing some of that in New York. 
that could backfire if Randall Cobb can't play anymore. If he's yeah. just not one of the best five receivers on the team, that stuff could backfire. You've got to keep your best players that give you the best chance of winning, regardless if he, if he's had a relationship with them or not. Um, but I do think he's got to elevate this organization. That they, they have not had they've only had one four thousand yard passer in their history. That's Joe Namath in 1968. Like they they just have not had they've had a curse. So he's got to fight that because that's real. That's in that. But I feel like just I was in that building all day last Friday. I feel like there is optimism, which is just that at this point. It's just and he is there and he is working out and he is committed. Um, but ultimately, all quarterbacks, Carl, not just Aaron, but all quarterbacks get measured by how they perform in the postseason. And it was important for Peyton Manning to get that Super Bowl in Denver, even though we, he was on a clear decline. The defense was top notch. Von Miller's the MVP of the game. He got a second. You know, Eli got two. Like, you've got to get that second one if you want to be in that conversation of the of the greatest, of one of the greatest. You, you've got it just it just goes with the territory, Carl. And sometimes the team around you isn't good enough. But fact is, you got to get he's got to get that second one. He knows it. And he knows this is his best chance right now. Yeah. And, you know, I say, Baldy, my phrase is multiples matter because they do. Right. That's really what we're talking about. And yeah. when you start talking about the uh, the upper echelon of quarterbacks, it starts with multiples. It starts with the guys that have more than one. And then yeah. we get back to the guys that have one. And it's pretty damn lucky to have one. But still. And, and I just think, you know, the whole Aaron thing, the, the thing that he's got to fight. And I'm just looking at this stuff. When you talk about the playoffs and, you know, 55.9 rating in 2014 versus Seattle Falcons in 2016, they were up 31 nothing before the Packers scored in that game. They trailed the 49ers 27 nothing in 2019 before scoring. These are all things that happened when he was in Green Bay and he had really good teams. So that is something I'm thinking that he's got to fight through is. Once we get there, if you feel like they're a playoff team and they didn't do this to think that if they're not that some of these playoff performances that he's had that have now scarred his record. I don't know how quite to say it, but, you know, it's it's marks on the record. He's got four MVPs. We know how talented he is. But then people want to talk about, okay, yeah, but in these games where maybe his teams were favored, he didn't play as well. And that is something that I think he's got to show us. No question. I mean, if you look at Troy Aikman won three. But look at Troy's performance in those games. Like, he's the MVP. And look at his, his performance throughout all those playoffs, 92, 93, 95. I mean, he was the best player on the field. I was involved with one playoff loss when Troy was out there. And I, I just remember third and 13, all right, I'll find Novacek for 14. And, you know, the pass will beat Seth Joyner with a perfect throw. Like, some people just elevate – they just elevate beyond belief in those moments. Um, you know, even, uh, you know, not that Brady ever had anything to prove when he went to Tampa, but when he did go to Tampa and during the pandemic, put that team on his back and he played at that level um, and won that seventh, like that was crazy what he did. But if, if Aaron could go to New York, I don't know if he has to win a Super Bowl, but he's got to get him into the playoffs, Carl, and they got to get – they got to play well in the playoffs. I mean, they might get beat by Patrick Mahomes in a shootout or something. Who knows? But 
I mean, they've got to get to the playoffs with Aaron, and he's got to play well. He's got to play well in the playoffs. Otherwise, what you just pointed out is only going to be pointed out more and more and more. That's going to travel more with them than or as much as four MVPs. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think the one that probably stings is the the 49er loss, right, a couple of years ago at home, and I think they scored 10 points. You know, that that was the one where you felt like they might have been the better team and then to not score. So and, and all that falls on, well, you got Aaron Rodgers and he's supposed to make these things happen. It, it's going to be interesting, Baldy, to see what, what happens. And listen, we don't for us guys, it helps us. But yeah. Aaron being great, New York, okay, it, it helps us. We need him to be great. It'd be awesome to see him be a part of this storyline. So, like I, I don't have any inside information, Carl. Next Thursday is supposed to be the release of the schedule, okay, May 11th. Now, it, it's, it fluctuates, not set in stone, but it, it looks like next Thursday. And, you know, um, that group, okay, um, that do the schedule, I mean, they're waiting on Lamar, they're waiting on Aaron, like, okay, yeah. let's get these guys settled, they're in, okay, deals are done, all right, teams are being built now. So, like, if you just look at, the Jets schedule, it's, it's murder's row. I mean, there's Cowboys, there's the Eagles, there's Kansas City. But they they do play the Giants this year. And the first Monday night game of the year, Carl, is on September 11th. 9-11, and the game is in New York. You almost wow. say Aaron Rodgers and the Jets against the playoff upstart, you know, uh, you know Saquon Barkley-led Giants. Like, let's just put them on the field together, the opening Monday night game. I, I mean, I don't have any inside information. Uh, you, you almost feel like, yeah, man, doesn't that sound like that's something everybody would tune into? No doubt. And, and the NFL loves that, right? The NFL loves these connecting storylines yes. that somehow draw us in. It, it's, it's amazing, Carl. Like, a lot of other sports, they got to go digging for storylines. They got to go create them. Man, the NFL doesn't have to do that. Aaron Rodgers is in New York. Yeah, he's he's a Jet. He's wearing number eight. Namath will be out there at age 80 on the field. Phil Sims will be down. I mean, you could just see this, the production, you know, a celebration of 9-11 and, sure. you know, police department, fire department, New York. You know, I mean, just the people that were involved that day. Like, I could just, like, let's just get this thing, you know, let's kick it off, you know, like. I, I, I can see something like that occurring. Ryan Baldinger, guys, Carl Dukes, it's in the huddle. Our man Jason Lockon for as well, a part of this podcast. I, I want to uh, finish things up today uh, with the Debo Samuel stuff. If you guys didn't see this, Debo Samuel basically came out and said the 49ers lost to the Eagles in the NFC Championship game because they played with 10 guys. <laughs> now, Baldy, we've been saying this. We could say it as broadcasters because it's true. I mean, they had a quarterback who couldn't throw. I mean, the guy was like, ah, right? And so when Debo comes out and says this, people see this as like him being a sore loser. And I don't take it as that. I think he's just saying, look, we couldn't throw the ball five yards down the field. We played with 10 guys. That's why we lost. Do you agree with it? Yeah, actually, I do. I mean, you know, you think about it. Uh, Brock Purdy got hurt on the sixth play of the game. Like, the game just kicked off, Carl. It's six plays in, and they're putting Josh Johnson out there, who just got signed, and he's on his, I don't know, 11, 12 team. Josh is a great guy. You know, but I mean, what? And then he got hurt. And now you're like, 
what, what, what are we going to do? And so, I mean, it was basically the Eagles just steamrolled them. And, you know, Debo's job is to catch passes and take handoffs and keep them in the game or win the game. And so it's not sour grapes. It's just reality. I mean, it just – it happened. And, like, they were on the fourth quarterback, Carl, and the fourth quarterback's hurt. I mean, you know, the fact that they got to three and they got to the NFC Championship game tells you a lot about how good the team was. But I don't take it as sour grapes or anything else. But you know what? It's just hard to win a game with, without a quarterback in this league. It is. And while we're talking about this, and I'm sure we'll break down more of this as we you know move through the offseason – Kind of like 49ers and Eagles to be back in those spots. I mean, I know it's it's hard to get back, but I just – I mean, the Eagles continue to load up. And if you're going to tell me they're going to be as good as they were last year and Jalen's going to play at that level, which we both know he's motivated, and the 49ers still have the best defense in football, even though they lost the defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, the personnel is still there, and and you have to believe if, if Purdy or whoever is going to be healthy. I say that because I think, you know, we still think Lance is not going to be the guy. But, yeah, Baldy, right now I see those two teams. I don't want to discount the Cowboys. I know Cowboy fans are all right. Oh, you're already discounting the Cowboys. Yeah, we've been talking about that for 30 years, okay? I, I would love to see the Cowboys get back to the Super Bowl. But I'm just saying from an NFC standpoint, I think those are the, the those two teams. It's those two and everybody else. I agree, Carl. I agree. I can't. I can't put anybody in front of either the Eagles or the or the 49ers at this point. You know, even like a team like Minnesota, who won 13 games last year. I, yes. A lot of us didn't believe in Minnesota. You know, uh, down 31 nothing in a game and came back and won the game. I mean, we just we just saw such huge inconsistencies uh, throughout the team. We knew the defense wasn't you know uh, Super Bowl caliber all year long. We saw that. So I, I just feel like. They're head and shoulders above everybody right now. And that's not to say that the Cowboys, you know, I don't know. Like I, I didn't think they, they had a great draft, but, you know, but maybe Dak takes his game to a different level this year. Maybe Brandon Cooks is a missing piece. Maybe Micah Parsons, 10 pounds heavier this year, gets to 20 sacks and, uh, you know, is a defensive yeah. player of the year. I mean, all those things can happen. You got to play the games. Injuries always play a part. So, um, no, I – I like both those teams on paper right now coming off what they just finished. And maybe Debo will get his wish to uh, play 11 on 11 in an NFC championship game in late uh, January next year. All right. I'll, I'll leave you with this. Uh, and we're back next week, guys. And of course the schedule release as Baldy was talking about. We're going to be all over that, but Mike McCarthy has come out and said that he said he's sitting down with Dak this off season and they're going through every pass and why he threw the pass and what he saw and all the interceptions. Guys, he had 15 last year. He led the league. So to Baldy's point about the Cowboys, you can't have 15 interceptions and not play five games and expect for your, your quarterback to, to win your games. And I think that's going to be a big question for the Cowboys, Baldy. So we'll get into this, but I know that McCarthy is going through the offense as he's making the shift to play to, to the play caller. So it's going to be interesting to see if that, you know, if any of that works for, for him and Dak. Yeah, well, he's got we'll to take his game to. He, he's got to raise his level of play. There's no question. I totally he's, paid, he's paid to be a superstar. Superstars have to elevate their games. They don't lead the league in interceptions. They don't miss five games. He's got to elevate his game, um, and that's just where they're at. And look, I played in Dallas. You're always going to be compared to Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman. 
I mean, Tony Romo, every single guy that's been through there, Danny White, they all will compare to guys that won Super Bowls in Dallas. And that's just the reality in Dallas. And so if Dak wants, you know, if he wants to earn that money, and regardless of what kind of person he is off the field, what kind of leader he is, you just have to elevate your game uh, in the postseason. Baldy, you just did like that, and you're all ripped up, man. You're all yoked up. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's that time of year, Carl. Like, the season, you know, you put on 10. The offseason, you take it back off. My man, Brian Baldinger, guys, Carl Dukes. We're back at you guys next week. Enjoy the weekend. We're talking all things NFL. We'll continue to move the conversation forward, guys, past the draft, past free agency. We're past that now, and uh, we're looking forward to some great conversations with you guys. Subscribe, like us, and tell your friends, guys. It's in the huddle. Have a great day. See you.